This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. Haiti is back on the front page, at least in the New York Times, our national newspaper of record, and it's not because of what's happening there now. The Times has published the results of an investigation into the history of Haiti's forced payments to France starting more than 200 years ago. It was an immense amount of money, which France said it deserved as compensation for Haiti's revolution and independence and slave emancipation at the time of the French Revolution. For comment, we turn, of course, to Amy Willens. She's a longtime contributing editor at The Nation and an award-winning writer about Haiti. Her most recent book is Farewell, Fred Voodoo. Amy, welcome back. Thanks, John. The reason we care about Haiti, we always remind listeners, is not only because it's a desperately poor country that's close to the United States, it's also because Haiti had the first successful slave revolution in world history and because Haiti established the world's first black republic at the beginning of the 19th century. And then, then the French government required that Haiti reimburse France for the loss of its, what it claimed to be, its own slave property and land. This is not a news story, but I don't think it's ever been on the front page of the New York Times before. What, what is their focus? What is their central theme? Yeah, it's barely been in the New York Times at all. Their central theme is how the Haitians, having prosecuted a successful revolution against Napoleon's armies, were then told by France and backed this threat backed by French warships in the um, waters around Haiti in the, I think it was the 1820s, that Haiti would have to pay an indemnity to France, an independence debt, the New York Times calls it for its successful revolution. This is the first time Haiti has many firsts, some good, some bad. This is the first time the victor in a war has ever been forced to pay an indemnity to the loser. Obviously the Haitian president Boyer at the time did not have to pay that, but if he didn't pay it, he was being threatened with a renewal of battle against Haiti by France possible victory by France and a renewal then of enslavement of the Haitian people. He was also being threatened much more immediately with France's refusal to acknowledge Haiti's existence and thus uh, with an impossibility of Haiti entering into world markets and having an economy of any kind. So he agreed to pay an astonishing sum of money to France. And it took them more than 100 years to complete the payments. It started in the 1820s and it finally ended all of the payments, all of the interest through all of the banks when Haiti ran out of money and had to have loans to pay France. It ended up in 1948, 1948. That's even in some people's memories who are on this show today. Yes, it is. And some not. Thank you for that. So, and the New York Times, connects this story of 200 years of massive payments by Haiti to France to the present situation. They write, for more than a century, Haiti has been labeled a disaster, a basket case, a place so destitute, lacking, and lawless that it needs constant rescuing. 
the assassination of the president in his bedroom, the kidnappings in the capital, the Haitian migrants heading to the United States, they all point to a country in a seemingly endless vortex of despair that the world's great powers have not managed to fix. But the New York Times says the documents and financial records that we have reviewed show how much of Haiti's misery has been brought about by the outside world and how often intervention has been portrayed as a helping hand while it really wasn't. Now, for listeners of our, of our program, for readers of your book, for people who are historians of this period, there's, none of this is news. So my question is, why is the New York Times doing this now? What is okay. going Okay, okay. First of all, I had to press my mute button while you were reading that so I wouldn't laugh out loud when you read it because I'm very grateful to the New York Times for having done this. I think it's fantastic and wonderful that readers who were deprived for the entire existence of the New York Times uh, from hearing what we have all known for so long are now hearing it from the New York Times because when the Times says it, it then becomes true. Whereas when they refuse to say it, for all my 30 years of covering Haiti and longer, it isn't true. And who are the people who've reported that story in that way, by the way, that you just read from the New York Times? The New York Times. So, and others, of course, I don't single out the New York Times, but they're the paper of record. They take the lead. They're responsible in great measure for Haiti's trials and tribulations being reported without historic context, especially without the context of this giant indemnity to France that I certainly have been talking about for a long time. And I did not discover it, nor did I ever <laughs> thump my chest and say how great I was to discover it. No, I found out from Haitian historians that this was the case from reading their books. They write books in Haiti. You would not know that necessarily from the New York Times, from reading all their books and scholarship I learned about this, and um, I'm grateful to the Times for having gone after it. Yes. Why? <laughs> okay. Why, given their long history of ignoring this story, has the New York Times decided to make amends, to reverse course? I have some theories about this. Let's thank George Floyd for his great sacrifice, Good. first of all. George Floyd is now, as far as I'm concerned, a martyr of the Haitian Revolution. Without Black Lives Matter, this story would not be reported the way it's being reported. Excellent. That brings up some questions, of course, as to further reporting by the New York Times. Note, it was Ta-Nehisi Coates' story um, on reparations that did not appear in the New York Times, but appeared in the Atlantic. The New York Times has some explaining to do to Black Lives Matter about why they're not publishing a piece on Black Americans' right to reparations of this great length and this great historic research into how much is really owed and what it means. But we who study Haiti are very grateful, and we're grateful to George Floyd. So let's look a little more closely at the reporting that the New York Times is running all week in the print edition and in a gigantic piece on the website. The first is called The Roots of Haiti's Misery, Advancing the Thesis, which they have finally decided uh, to <laughs> has some merit make amends for their past failures the second section is called how a french bank captured haiti what's this one about so that's about the uh, french banks and how they first of all they dealt with the indemnity it's just so hard to understand how this would happen in those days this was the first time actually a poor country paid a debt to a rich country also you could look at it that way just paid off 
uh, money, uh, the way the third world, as it used to be called, had to pay off money to the International Development Bank and the World Bank over years and years. So it wasn't that the Haitian government had these giant coffers filled with gold that they then gave to France. It was little ladies in the countryside. They had to, every time they paid for something, they had to bring their pennies to pay for this indemnity, to pay for basically being having the right to their own bodies, to put it in blunt terms. And the French banks recouped all this money. And as the money ran out and the little ladies and the men of Haiti could no longer pay their little monies, Haiti had to take out loans to finish paying off this indemnity. And those loans bore interest and they had to pay off the interest. And that's where how the French banks came to own Haiti after the French had owned Haiti. And one of the really interesting things in the piece is how so much of this money at the beginning went to the people in France who had actually lost their plantations. So they owned Haitian land, they owned Haitians. Then when the revolution came, they were paid off through this indemnity and they made millions of dollars off this indemnity. And their descendants, most of them had no idea when the New York Times found out who got the money, had no idea that this was where their great fortunes came from so that they have a castle in you know, the Alsatian countryside, a castle in the Loire, a mansion outside of Paris. They didn't know that it was off the, the bodies and the blood of the Haitian slaves. They just thought, oh, we're rich. And then the next section of the New York Times is titled, Invade Haiti, Wall Street Urged the U.S. Obliged. What's that one about? That's about how um, the American banks also participated in this, uh, what I would call massive global blood sucking of the Haitian Republic. And their banks, the National City Bank especially, came into Haiti along with the uh, National Bank of Haiti, which was really an extension of the French banks. And it too offered loans to Haitians and then uh, added interest to those and added to this horrible burden that the country could never get out from under. And when anyone raised a voice about this in Haiti, the Americans didn't like it and they wanted to make sure that nothing would interrupt this continual flow of funds. And so indeed they did invade Haiti, um, the American Marines, Partly, one hears from the New York Times and has heard in the past at the behest of Wall Street and the National City Bank. And then the last section is titled Demanding Reparations in Ending Up in Exile. Who was it that ended up in exile? I love that title. It's uh, Jean-Bertrand Aristide. It's one of those things where um, papers like the New York Times liked to brag at the time Aristide was first elected in the first free and fair elections, monitored with the help of American President Jimmy Carter, uh, about how great the United States was in bringing free and fair elections to Haiti. Yet twice, Aristide was ousted for power because he was progressive and outspoken and irritating. And uh, once under the man I like to call Papa Bush, and once under the man I like to call Baby Bush, after <laughs> the dictator Francois Papadoc Duvalier and his yes. child Jean-Claude Baby Doc Duvalier. But the reason that last bit is called uh, asking for reparations and ending up in exile is that Aristide, in his second permitted term, brought world attention to the independence debt, the unfairness of it, 
and the amount of it. What would be owed to Haiti by France? What is, in fact, morally owed to Haiti by France? <laughs> and how much it is? And he had a whole team of researchers, not unlike the team of researchers of the New York Times, do a study <laughs> on how much that would be in today's dollars. And then what happened to Aristide after he he proposed that France should repay Haiti for the for the reparations? He was ousted. The French ambassador went to his house, and uh, an American diplomat went to his house, and uh, they told him he had to leave. They said, "Well, you could stay, but there's uh, there's a coup d'état being planned against you. We don't know if you'll survive." They said, write a letter of resignation, which he didn't exactly do. And then they stuck him on a plane and he ended up in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Anyway, in the heart of Africa, unlike his predecessor in being asked by the Americans, Jean-Claude Duvalier, who ended up in Paris. I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> well, the Times does have a long essay on sources of the sort of conventional historical kind of the dozens and dozens of books in English and French that they consulted. They, they, they claim, I think correctly, that the most original part of their investigation is the new effort they made to calculate the amount of money that Haiti actually paid France and their creditors. Uh, let's talk about the amount, the amount of money that they came up with. How much, first of all, how much does the New York Times say uh, Haiti paid to France and their creditors? It's something like in today's dollars, $41 billion. $41 billion. billion B, not million, billion. B is in baby. Mm -hmm. How does this number compare with the number that Aristide came up with? Very close. <laughs> the New York Times acknowledges very close. In fact, he may have underestimated a little bit compared to what they found. However, you know, for all the chest beating, they only came up with pretty much the same number Aristide came up with. But... I don't want to take away from the New York Times having done this story. I think it's great. It's grand. It's respectful. It's, it's the right thing to do. They perhaps didn't acknowledge all their sources. Everybody in Haiti is complaining about that. And I understand that. And to Haitians, it just seems like unfathomable that the New York Times could be declaring this to be a really new, interesting piece of information when they've known it their whole lives. So, But of course, what Haitian knows is not the same thing as what Americans know. And that's why we're talking about this now. And right. the New York Times then concludes with speculating and talking to people about what Haiti could have been like, what Haiti could be like today if this $41 billion had remained in Haiti. So let's talk about this alternative history of Haiti. It saddens me a lot to even think about it. I mean, some money would have been stolen, of course. Every every government has a right to steal some money. <laughs> but, okay. but, you know, there would have been money that could have been invested in, first of all, infrastructure by Haitians building their own infrastructure instead of the American occupation forcing enslaved Haitians to build the kinds of roads the American sugar growers needed in Haiti. There could have been money spent on healthcare instead of having, you know, one ophthalmologist per every one million people in Haiti. There could have been money spent on education so that there would be more than one ophthalmologist for every million people in Haiti. But these monies were never spent. They were never had. And it would have made Haiti an independent country instead of cultivating this sick 
dependence on foreign aid and the, the kindness of strangers, which is never very kind. One other thing, the Times website about Haiti's debt is a gorgeous and wonderful uh, thing to look at. Yes, they've done a wonderful job. First of all, the photographs that they've run, I've never seen before. And I've seen, I thought, every photograph ever taken of Papa Doc Duvalier. They have two I've never seen before. So that means you're looking at something quite special. They have photographs of some of the documents that they found uh, documenting this debt. They're incredible. And one of the things they've done that I really appreciate, aside from just running the whole thing, is in some places on the digital version, they've kind of simplified their argument. And and that's great because people can look at it easily, see what it means. They don't have to read the whole damn thing unless they're like me. And, <laughs> and, and that's fantastic. I appreciate the simplification. And the other thing they've done, which I love, is they published it in French and in Haitian Creole without a paywall. So, okay, we people in America have to pay the paywall, but the French don't and the Haitians don't. The only little problem that I'm sort of, trying to push buttons about is uh, I'd like to have an audio version in Creole because a lot of people who speak Creole don't read Creole. Even if they read French, they don't really read Creole. So I think that would be a great thing to have on the radio in Haiti is the New York Times version of this story. I mean, <laughs> that might change things. So the kind of explicit message here is summed up in the word reparations. The New York Times does not approach this as on the one hand, on the other hand. Some people say reparations are justified. Other people aren't so sure. Their conclusion is there's $41 billion that France and Wall Street owe, owe to Haiti. We've never really seen anything like this from uh, what we call the mainstream media, I don't think. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, it raises so many questions, but they do seem to come down on the side of let France pay. But then doesn't it raise the issue of reparations in the U.S. and let the U.S. pay? Uh, it doesn't really, because they're very clear without saying it, that this is not about the slaves' labor. This is not about what they produced for France. This is simply about the independence debt. It's a very separate thing. Black Americans did not pay an independence debt. Once they were freed, they were freed to try and live in this crazy country as best they could live. But we do owe them reparations for having built the country, just the way France also owes Haitians reparations for having built the country, as well as having paid for the revolution. So it's a very mixed bag that the New York Times is kind of avoiding one side of the whole discussion while saying France should pay its reparations, and it should. Amy Willens, her award-winning recent book about Haiti is Farewell, Fred Voodoo. Amy. Thanks for talking with us today. Thank you, John. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. Thank you.